Hello, hello, and welcome to Here We Are Today. This is Betsy, and this is the Here We Are Today podcast. The almost daily or every other daily uh, podcast about the joys and the challenges of the human experience from my life experience and my experience of coaching and working with hundreds of people. And I would call this show experimental. It's a, it's a very... Um, it's got a lot of shows for being experimental, right? It's an ongoing personal creative, but mainly service-oriented project where my hopes is that by coming on here, I can provide you with some sort of regular cadence of stories, perspective, insights that may connect with something in you that hopefully provides you with some level of encouragement, support, and... Um, maybe getting even more of your own information about what's appropriate for you. So also it's fun. So thanks for being here. Here we are today. Here we are today, everyone. And uh, in parallel with my kind of usual daily Here We Are Today episodes, I am doing a short series called In the Neighborhood where I tell the story of a mystery that I solved and also a mystery I have not solved <laughs> in the neighborhood. Um, it happens to be February 13th, 2022. This is Betsy. Glad to be here with you. There is an episode that I did called Part One in the Neighborhood. Check it out. I will give a brief summary, which is I found that someone had egged one of our cars and I didn't think anything of it, actually. I just thought a kid was riding their bike or somebody threw an egg, whatever. And I tell some of this story in greater detail. And this is the catch-up part. I tell more of it in part one. But I got egged. I thought, oh, well, the car got egged, whatever. But then I got a tow notice on the vehicle. A tow notice that even with a residential parking permit, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to keep your car somewhere. Every place is different than the Bay Area. It could be 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever. You're supposed to move your car, even if you have a neighborhood parking pass. But in many neighborhoods, people know that's your car. Big deal. Like you're going to move it in a week or whatever. Right. And also PS, there's tons of parking everywhere where I live in the Bay Area. It's not like some of the places I lived in San Francisco. So this is an email that I got from a police officer in my town. Good morning. Your case number is blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, I had no luck with finding out who reported your car to the police. I have to admit, I underestimated the amount of parking complaints that we receive. Apparently, the complaints can be made via phone, email, in-person, social media, anonymous tip line, etc. If you happen to get another tow notice, call the police department and ask for me. I work here my hours. If I'm not working, email me the information. I feel like I'd ha I would have better luck finding something if I only have to wade through a week of complaints. <laughs> so this was, there was a little bit of a lag, right? So as you can tell, I got a tow notice and I thought, well, who reported my car? And I was so focused on the tow notice. And I thought, well, maybe like somebody doesn't know this is our car or maybe somebody doesn't like us. I mean, my, my brain starts to move. Cause again, let's refer back to the part where I said there's plenty of places to park. So it's not like we had a car that we was like all run down and it was just 
dead and not able to move and it was just taking up a parking spot or something. No, no. Totally working vehicle. Didn't use it that much because it was a third vehicle. Um, but still totally fine. So after the towing experience, um, sorry, it didn't get towed. It got a tow notice and then I moved it. So basically, um, here's what happened after the tow notice. And then I basically now was nervous because I thought there's somebody who doesn't want this car here. And now I don't really know what to do because it's not a car that we drove every three days to move. So what I did was I parked it about a half a mile away because <laughs> apparently like the law in my town is like, it has to move more than a half a mile away and then move back. I mean, who is, nobody's tracking this. Okay. There's tons of room around here. So I park it a half a mile away for a few days and then returned the car to be parked near my house. And now I'll tell you what happened next. Yeah, I parked it near my house and I was expecting what what were you what would you expect that they would report it again? I left it there for more than 72 hours because I wanted to see what was going to happen. I'm curious. I've already gone over this. I am such a curious person. Go back to part one in the neighborhood. This whole series is about my curiosity. <laughs> so I leave it there for more than 72 hours. I go to the vehicle and I see that the car had been egged. This time, two eggs on the windshield, one on the hood, and another on the roof of the car. So I called... That was when I first started the process of talking to the police. I didn't call. I, I did start trying to figure out who did the tow notice. Um, but then I actually thought, I, I think I need to report this to the police. Because it wasn't until that point that I realized, oh, yes, the previous egg was connected. I just thought the previous egg was like a kid riding a bike. But now I thought, wow, I was egged. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a tow notice. And then even after I moved the car away and moved it back, it got a bunch of eggs all over it. And you think I was already getting a little paranoid? I got even more paranoid at that point. Now, the, the other context I want to give is you're thinking, well, who would have done this and who doesn't like you or your car? Is that I do not live in that location where I was living. Um... At that time, when I was living at that place, I knew probably six, seven neighbors around there. And this is like a neighborhood with houses. It's not like apartments. I mean, it's even more spread out than apartments, right? Like if I lived in San Francisco, by the way, I hardly knew any neighbors in San Francisco. Um, if you hear any bitterness in my voice, <laughs> there, there is. Did I put a lot of energy into it? No. So you know, I need to take responsibility for that. I did have some neighbors, uh, when I lived with an ex-girlfriend in San Francisco and they had a stepladder, we had a shared area where you open the door and there's like a shared area. Our doors were kind of across from each other, but there was like this outside. Anyway, I just knocked on the door and I said, hi, how are you? And, blah, blah, blah. and I said, could I please borrow your stepladder 
Because I'm thinking either I can borrow there. They already have one that's right there near where I need to do something. Uh, and then I would put it right back. And um, I thought, well, I could buy a step letter or I could just ask to use the one that's right there. And no, just like you were guessing from the bitterness I had about neighbors, they said, no, you can't borrow it. You can't use it. So that was upsetting. <laughs> um, but I've had so many good neighbor experiences um, living down the peninsula. And in the multiple places I've lived down here, I have current friends that I've continued with that were neighbors from multiple other places. So I didn't have that kind of association that I had in San Francisco of having bad experiences. I just thought, wow, I know a lot of the people around here. And not well, because I didn't live there that long, but I thought, who, what, what, what's going on? So I reported because I wanted to lay the groundwork because I didn't know what was going to happen next. And I thought there just needs to be some record of me reporting this. So I reported it and then I took the car took photos. I was documenting everything, took photos. And then I went and had the car washed and moved the car several blocks away from the house. And a few days later, I parked it back closer to my house. And I had parked it further away and then I moved it a little bit closer the day before my wife and I were going um, on an international trip. So what happened was because of the issues with that vehicle, I didn't feel comfortable leaving it in the neighborhood while we were out of the country. I thought, well, it would get towed because I wouldn't be able to see a notice or see the eggs or see whatever. So I thought, we'll drive it to the airport and park it at the airport so that while we're gone, we won't have to worry about it. Cause I still was thinking like, I need to figure this out and I didn't want the car to be damaged. So I had parked the car back near the house. And so we returned to the car to put our bags into, into the car to go to the airport and discovered that the vehicle had been egged again. But this time, not only had it been egged, there was maple syrup poured all over the back window. <laughs> I have photos of it. And, you know, that just turned into a whole bunch of jokes between my wife and I about, you know, breakfast and what, we're gonna, what are we going to find next, you know? pancake mix. I mean, it's just so funny. I mean, it's not, but it is right. It's like there's eggs all over the car. Now there's maple syrup all over the car. It's like, what did we do? I couldn't help, but worry that, and this was kind of maybe an inevitability. If you know me that I was thinking, is somebody have a problem with that? We're queer. Like is somebody sending us messages? Or is it that they don't like our car? They don't like where we're parking it. So it kind of felt like I wasn't sure. Is this about, uh, is it about us or is it about something about the car or somebody in, in the neighborhood's doing this, to the car, not knowing that it's related to us. But I, I just started thinking, 
I just started feeling a little bit unsafe. Like we're getting now messages. Now, nobody had done anything to our house. Nobody had done anything to us. So again, I just wasn't sure, like, is it connected to us or is it just the car? The car was in good shape. It was a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Like, what's the problem? You know, what, what, what's the deal with parking it in the neighborhood? So it's got all this stuff all over it, breakfast stuff. And we are just like, oh my gosh, not only now they're kind of like looking around the neighborhood because it was a couple, like a little more than a block or a couple blocks from our house. So now, the, now whoever it is, is actually looking around the neighborhood for the car to come after the car, even if it's not near the house. So that's when I called, um, and spoke with my police officer contact and said, hey, this is escalating because I've already reported it. And now I'm trying to move the car in the neighborhood. And doesn't matter if it's 72 hours or not, I'm getting more eggs and, <laughs> and maple syrup. And honestly, we did have a good laugh. We're like, what are we going to find? Bacon next time? I mean, sausage links. It's just like, what is what is the deal? So then what happened? <laughs> so that's the third incident. And we go to the airport and we park the car and my wife and I are just like, really, you know how you get to this point where you're like worried, but then you're also fascinated and curious and you're just like, what is this? What is the deal? So we get to the airport, we check in for our flight, all good. And we get on the plane and we were headed to Italy at that time and we take up, we take off and we are on the ascent and, and this is, you know, obviously pre, well, maybe it's not obvious, but it's pre pandemic. We haven't been traveling since, since the pandemic, but we used to take multiple international trips a year and lots of flying. And every few weeks, probably somebody was flying somewhere. Um, very used to flying, very, you know, seem very routine, but we're on the ascent and I hear this bang, like a really big bang. And then the whole, well, okay. So there's the bang. And then I see out of the left corner of my eye, this huge orange flash all along the outside of the plane outside the windows like all of the windows lit up orange and inside the cabin lit up orange and i was sitting on the right side of the plane so it was this bang and this huge orange flash and then the plane did like a little teeter-totter like ooh, 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 like that back and forth and let me tell you of all the flights that i've been on I never felt anything like that. Never have I felt anything like that. And it's right after that moment where you're listening, like everything is heightened and I'm, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm looking around, trying to see if anyone else is going to be freaking out, looking around at the flight attendants, seeing if they're freaking out. Cause that's really going to tell you if they are. And I'm, we're not hearing any updates from the cockpit. So I start to totally spin out internally, like 
spin out to like what's happening with the airplane, what's going wrong. I look over at Jen, she seems fine. She seems totally relaxed. And I'm freaking out. And I tell her, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I start thinking, okay, maybe we're going to die. And I just start going through all that. And some people do start really getting upset. And there are some people who are calm and some people that are upset. But we're not hearing any updates. And then finally we say, oh, okay, so we're going to give you some updates. And in a moment and so it's just like you're not giving us updates yet like can you just tell us what's going on and then pretty soon the plane starts banking like it's turning around and then i really started to freak out what happened what happened was that one of the engines exploded and failed and on a big plane like that, there are four engines. So it's I get I'm I'm getting sweaty and nervous just talking about this. We we are fine, as you can tell. I'm here. We're fine. But you know, it was really scary. And then we're in the air. We have to turn the plane around. And then they come on and they say, "Well, um, we've lost one of the engines, and we're totally fine because we have three other engines, so we don't have any concern about being able to safely land the aircraft. And so we're like, okay. They say, however, we have way too much fuel to land. So we need to go out over the Pacific Ocean, and it's going to take us about an hour to dump all of our fuel. And I, my heart is just breaking because I am like these fish and sea creatures and all these have to deal with hundreds of gallons of fuel that's going to be dumped in the ocean. Anyway, we had to do it to safely land. So we had to go round, 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 dump all the fuel, come back, land. And uh, we were like, mm, not sure I want to go yet. Uh, still, I don't know if I still want to go on the trip. And uh, we vacillated back and forth, back and forth. And also our flights were on two different itineraries because Jen was going for work and I was going too so that would make it complicated long story short we didn't go we did not go we ended up not we tried to rebook the options were not did not work for the work she needed to do there and what I whatever so we didn't go and so then therefore we head back to our jeep and head back home bringing the jeep back to the neighborhood we thought we were gonna have like you know the whatever week and a half that we were gonna be gone that we would have the jeep just not worried about it but now we're back in the neighborhood and i parked it far away and then i parked it i i, I parked it far away because i thought you know what i am not dealing with this anymore i am going to figure out who is doing this so you're right i started coming up with a whole bunch of creative ideas on how to film the vehicle from either inside, outside, or both to catch on camera who the F is doing this. So I bought several different cameras that I wanted to try out, and then I returned some because it wasn't going to work, like the way that the glare was in the windshield. I mean, I learned a lot because I thought, I'm going to film it from the inside and the outside, but whoever it is, they're definitely coming back. And I'm definitely going to catch them on camera. 
So what I did was I once I had so I found a camera that I could set up on my front fence and I set it up to where it could see between the slats of the fence. But if you were walking by, you couldn't see it because it was like black. And so it's like between the fence things and there's bushes and everything you couldn't see. So I was so proud of myself that I set this thing up wirelessly. I got the whole thing rigged up and then I parked the vehicle perfectly in view of the camera. And I set up the camera to record any time that it tracked movement and I can, it can recorded to the cloud. So what you have then is a lot of videos because cars go by and there's a car. So let me set this up for you. So the camera was on my fence, but the vehicle was across the street. So anybody driving by would set off the recording, but I knew I was going to catch them. And but somehow, you know what? I think I missed the order of something. Yeah, it's in the middle of the process of setting up the camera that a, a fourth incident happened. So I hadn't had it all set up yet. I was testing things out and doing things. And then what then what happened was, there was a fourth incident where there was some type of sticky gooey substance all over the front of the car, side windows, windshield roof. And yes, I did take a sample of the mystery substance. <laughs> so it's like, what lab are we sending this to and what are we doing? And I just was really getting sick of cleaning up after this. I'm sure you can imagine. So that ramped up my motivation to complete the setup of the video cameras. So set up the video cameras and the timeline of all of this is like pretty close together. So, you know, we were supposed to go on the trip. We didn't go on the trip. We parked the car far away. We parked the car closer. It gets vandalized while I'm trying to set up all the cameras and then I get it cleaned and I get the cameras set up. So this is like another week and a half, but the whole process from the first egging to this point would be probably eight weeks. So it's like a real cat and mouse game a real cat and mouse game. And, you know, I'm looking around now at every neighbor with skepticism. I'm thinking, you know, for a while I thought it's going to be a kid. It's got to be a kid for a while. And then I thought, well, it could be an adult. I mean, there was, okay. So, so there was this guy in the neighborhood who was a pretty close neighbor who was like one of the people in charge of a lot of the changes to the residential parking permit program and had reached out to us to, I think, talk to us about it and left some kind of, I don't know if it was like a paper in our mailbox and we didn't see it for a long time, but whatever it was, we didn't see it till way afterwards. And then I think I emailed and said, Hey, you know, sorry we missed this because there was like some local uh, thing to vote on about it. And he was really big into it. And I thought, would that guy be this mad about this vehicle? He's so into parking. So like for a while, I'm like, that's who it is. And then I saw a neighbor who I had not met before and was outside their house 
going through their mail. And I thought, I'm going to go see if it's them. So I go, I, I say to myself, I'm going to, I'm going to smoke this out. I'm going to go talk to them and strike up a conversation. And I'm going to see if I get a weird vibe from them. See if they don't like me. Or if they're being cagey at all. So now I'm a real investigator. So I go over and I'm also, okay. My other thought process is I can't tell much people about what's happening. I need to be careful about who I tell because then I might not catch them. So it's a fine line to walk. So I go over and I start talking to this neighbor who is delightful, by the way, and, and we have a great conversation. I'm not getting any weird vibes at all. Just friendly, open conversation. We end up sitting on the stoop, actually, and she tells me she's just returned from a trip, and then she has this food that the other neighbor made for her um, and starts offering to share it with me. So here we are sitting, and she's having her meal, and she's offering me another fork, and we're eating out of the same container. I'm like, now at that point and where she's offering me this food after she got back from her trip, she's tired, she's hungry, she's offering me some of her dinner. That's when I felt really bad I ever thought it was her in the first place. <laughs> I didn't really think it was her, but I really thought everybody, it could be anybody, right? Everybody is a suspect. When you get into that mindset of paranoia, it's like everyone is a suspect until proven otherwise. Well, it definitely wasn't her. And we had a nice, really nice time and have developed a really nice friendship since then. Towards the end of the conversation, I felt comfortable enough to just give some information about what was happening. And she was shocked to hear that the car had been repeatedly vandalized, that it was a real mystery because who cares that much? And why is it happening? And is it about us? And we don't know. But it was good to talk to her about it. And she said, you should talk to so-and-so. You should talk to so-and-so. So then there was another neighbor that I ended up having a chit-chat with about it. And they were, I mean, just shocked. Like, what? Why? Why would somebody care? So we were able to start talking to some neighbors about it. And I did think that if I talked to some neighbors about it, then those neighbors might talk to other neighbors and that person who's doing it might find out and stop, which is fine, right? I mean, yes, we all want to be right. We all want to catch the person and be like, you did this, you did a bad thing or whatever. There's a part of us that has that sense of wanting to hold accountability and justice. And I definitely have that side of me that wants to, not to punish, but to hold accountable and to repair. So I set up the cameras. Okay. I'm really proud of the setup, getting back to the setup of the camera through the fence. And the car is visible. And the other thing I'm very proud of is that it's visible at night. You could see because the vehicle was lighter colored. So you could see it at night and this camera had night vision. Wow. So I set up the app on my phone to send an alert 
to, to do like a little alert when it would start recording. Now keep in mind, it's when any car goes by, but I was going out to dinner uh, with my wife. We were going to get pho and I think it was a Sunday night and I had just set up and I thought it's going to happen. It's going to happen today. Like I knew if I parked the car really close to my house, that that was like the prime location for it to be vandalized. Like, and I wanted that to happen because I wanted to see who was doing it. So by that Saturday, I had it all set up and Sunday morning. And then so Sunday evening, and I thought it's probably going to happen after dark. And we were going out to dinner and, um, it was a time of year that it was getting a little darker earlier and we're sitting, we're sitting, having pho and my phone goes an alert. And I think, could this be it? I had never gotten an alert and looked at it in the moment. It was the first time it was giving me this alert. And I pull up the video and I see a car drive by opposite orientation, drive by the vehicle. And I see something fly out of the vehicle, the car that's driving by onto our car. So I can see this, whoever it is, is throwing something onto the car. And then I see the car pull out of the frame. And then I see a person walk back, pick up something off the ground that it looks like it had hit the, hit the car and fell off. And picked it up and threw it back onto the car and walked back. And let me tell you something. I thought this was, I, I, right when I think I've solved the mystery, it just gets weirder. I recognized the car and I recognized the person, but they weren't the only one involved. So stay tuned for the next episode of in the neighborhood to feed, to find out there's even more vandalism after this and a shocking conclusion. <laughs> Hope you have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.